Ja, ja, denk dan! Wit is drama. Wit is drama. Wit is drama. Building bridges. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're good to go. Welcome to Building Bridges. I'm Sebi. I'm Jan. Och jag heter David. David. Och det här är en Eurovision podcast för resten av oss. And this is a Eurovision podcast for the rest of us. <laughs> We're in Swedish mood today. I don't know what's happening. Uh, Dave's been practicing a lot of Swedish lately, right? Well, Melody Festival is just around the corner, so we have to get ready. That is true. Yeah. 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 It must be. But in the meantime, we, yeah, we thought we would go back and look at our favorite winners, but we try and make it a bit trickier and break it up by decade. Yay. So that gives us seven time periods to look at from the 50s until the very difficult 2020s with the whole choice of two possible <laughs> songs. So we'll start with Sebi, I think, for the 1950s, since he's the oldest one at heart out of the three of us. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, really. The old soul. So if we look at the 50s, you're the old souls. And there's only four to choose from. You've got the refrain. I'm going to butcher the Dutch because we've got two Dutch winners, Net Alstun, Dor Mon Amour, and then Ibiza. In Beitje. So which one do you pick? Uh, so yes, my favorite winner of the 50s is going to be In Beitje by Teddy Scholten in 1959. Uh, of course, there's not a huge selection. Uh, it's not the smallest selection we're going to have today, but the second smallest one. Um, exactly. I like this one a lot. It's very charming. It's very upbeat. Uh, it's not as stiff and static as maybe the other 50s winners. Um, but what I got to say as well, um, the 50s are the only decade in Eurovision where my favorite song never won the contest. So I like some songs from the 50s uh, and I also like in Beja, but it's It's not necessarily my most favorite winner of all time, but for the 50s, I think it's a good choice. What about you, Jan? I mean, as you said, it's not such a huge selection, but, um, you know, if we're talking about the beginnings, I should get where it all started. And I think it's, for me, it's 1956 entry for Switzerland and Lisasia, who actually, you know, somehow created this whole beautiful journey of Eurovision Song Contest. And I have to say that also, it's also one of the most mystic Eurovisions for me as well, because yeah. as far as, as I'm aware, the, there's only like her winning performance or something, which was filmed by TV and the rest of yeah. the competition is only known by the audio. But again, it's it's such a, such a great, um, I would say, homage to, to 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 the eurovision itself even if it's like from 60 plus years ago and uh i i had like this huge honor meeting her in in stockholm sweden during the time of the eurovision um and and she was one incredible woman and an incredible singer like i remember her giving interviews in like six different languages including swedish yeah. as well which was the language we started with today And this is why I, I fell in love with the refrain and, and, and also with the new version and, and the one which was, I think, released like in 2010s or something, or maybe a little bit before. Mm. And, and yes, it's somehow, it's somehow probably my favorite entry from the 50s should be Lisasia yeah. and the refrain. It's beautiful, yeah. It is, and I have nothing else to say. Um, when I think Eurovision 1950s, I think refrain. That's all that comes to mind. Uh, and the little pilgrimage that myself and Sebi did to Lugano from Torino this year. Yeah. To see <laughs> the, the auditorium where the very first Eurovision was held, that also comes to mind, which is kind yeah. of cool. Lugano was a beautiful city. Um, but Jan, you took uh, all the words out of my mouth, basically. I have nothing else to add, but I'll just say that, yeah, 56 and 64 are the big two. Right, yeah. that aren't recorded. Yeah, And the reason is because back then there was no digital storage, obviously, and film was expensive and storage room was expensive. So broadcasters often didn't think, well, we should save this. So yeah. it probably got recorded over or thrown out or... I mean, they couldn't look into the future. They couldn't tell how quickly time would change, how quickly television would change and evolve. Exactly. Yeah, some people would want copies of old yeah. footage, but <laughs> that's it. 
And that's the 50s. That was really quick. So we went from one of the shortest decades to one of the longest because we have extra winners in the 1960s. Oh my goodness, 60s. Right? So we've got wow. Tom Pelliby, Nous les Amoureux, Un Premier Amour, Danse Vise, Nololeta, Poupée de Cire, Poupée de Sang, Merci Chérie, Papa on a String, La La La, Vivo Cantando, Boom Bang a Bang, The Troubadour, and Un Jour Un Enfant. So, Sebi, take your pick. Well, I gotta say, like, just you naming all these songs shows me how great the contest became in such a short amount of time. Like, the 60s, great decade, great songs. Like, most of these are iconic. My favorite of the 60s, or my favorite winner, at least, is Gigio La Cinquetti with Nono Leta from 1964. So here we are with another year, the second year with no real footage. And this is an even sadder story because a fire broke out in the TV studios in Copenhagen, as far as I know. And that's why all the footage got destroyed. Um, and I'm so I'm so sad about this because 1956, you kind of have an idea like what most performances look like. But in 64, Eurovision had already been so different. There was a stage invasion in 1964 like right uh, because of Portugal uh, and Spain had that weird shell on stage and they did a real show like especially for the 1960s but getting back to the winner um, Gigiola has been my favorite winner for a long time even my favorite winner of all time uh, because the song is just like it's simple but so beautiful her voice is so beautiful uh, she has that sincerity and Nona Leta, it's like, I don't have the age. I'm not old enough to love you. And this is also like, on a personal level, something I can really relate to. Uh, not meaning something illegal, but you know, like, <laughs> there are sometimes people you get along with really well, but like sometimes an age gap can ruin that connection as well. And my highlight about that was also in Torino this year, uh Dave was actually with me on this one and we were watching the rehearsal uh it was quite boring like they were preparing they were like putting stuff around the songs that already performed and suddenly Gigiola comes on stage and performs Nonoleta and during this rehearsal she had like her sunglasses on she looked like Ozzy Osbourne I didn't know what was going on <laughs> But it was such a beautiful, such a touching moment. I had chills all over my body and I was so like overwhelmed. Like I would have never. I, can, I completely forgot she was even performing because we were so busy running around. with. Yeah, everything. I didn't have it in mind and either. Watching, yeah. watching the rehearsal. And like you said, there was this long pause. And, this and we weren't even sure she was going to show up. looking woman came yeah. out with the sunglasses. Yeah. And yeah, and she came out and she nailed it, obviously, on the first try. And the, the place was empty. There was about 100 press people. It was there. a private and concert for us, basically. It was it was really cool. I'll never forget that. And I'll just add now that, again, you someone else has stolen mine. I also picked Giliola from 1964. Had to be, although I do see what you're saying, because the choice in the 60s was a bit tougher. Um, except for Tom PDB, really, all of them, like you said, they're very iconic uh, you say the name, the, the song comes to mind. You don't even have to think, oh, what was that one? Like they're they're all iconic in their own ways. Jan, what do you think? Well, I mean, as you said, 60s are probably just from this point of view. We should maybe talk about which is our favorite, you know, um, I would say winner between 1960 and 1968 and favorite winner from 1969 because that <laughs> that huge amazing rule um was uh, of of how to select the winner wasn't really there at the time but uh it was iconic era i would say but um also i mean we have so many amazing 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 winners um, it, it's we we shouldn't forget Francesar. We shouldn't forget Sandy Shaw. We shouldn't for, forget you know, um, la 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 and so on. And and but I I can really agree on this kind of team vote here. Um, Giulia Cinquetti and her timeless Nonoleta, which was yeah. fantastic, and it still is. And as you said, I don't remember was she on the night of the semi final too. 
or when was no, she? she was in the final. It was the final, yeah. Or was it the final one? Okay, but again, it was it was such a, such a great performance. I remember watching it on on YouTube properly because I I really at the time I experienced that in in the press center. But like then again, when I got back home, when when I had enough time to reflect that, I just opened YouTube and I enjoyed that masterpiece, which was absolutely stunning and amazing. And and I really 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 enjoyed it and i would probably go with with italy as well 1964 yeah. as probably my favorite song of that dec- yeah. decade winning song of the decade yeah i like your idea for choosing one from 1969 maybe so really quickly sebi what's your favorite of the four my favorite oh my god that's so tough like i always change my mind about that uh it's definitely not the uk i can't stand that one at all <laughs> like uh <laughs> But like I'll 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 say that's mine only because for me that just it's the song sounds like classic sixties yeah more so than the other three it I does. don't enjoy any of the four per se but that one to me it just screams 60s. I gotta say those four are probably like among the weakest winners like all the other sixty winners like can we talk about France Gall for a second like huge Please. like world yeah. star and that song is still a hit like so many My years goodness. later yeah. Uh, so that's why, like, none of the 69ers really shook me. I would go for the Netherlands just because it's so unconventional and it's, like, such an unusual yeah. song to win Eurovision. That's why, yeah. I would go for for Spain and oh, yeah. for Vivo Cantando because it's such an iconic song. It's, that's the main reason why I'm choosing it. I mean, all of them are, are special in, in its own way, but um, I would say that Vivo Cantando is still like, it, it always gets me in a great mood, like, and it, it's, it's amazing, you know, like whenever I'm in a bad mood, I just play Vivo Cantando on Spotify, and it's, it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Okay, and that's the 60s, just like that. 70s, back to 10 winners. So a bit tougher, I guess, less choice. All kinds of everything. Un banc, un arbre, une rue. Après toi, tu te reconnaîtras. Waterloo, ding-a-dong, save your kisses for me. Loiseau et l'enfant. Try that again. Loiseau et l'enfant. Avalibi and hallelujah. So, uh, Jan, why don't you keep, keep, keep going and talk about it? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, as I said, like, we were talking, I don't know if we if we were filming that or not before, but as we were talking 70s, wow. I mean, there's, I mean, as, as Sebi said, like, you know, Eurovision was evolving year by year and developing in, in this huge, amazing comp- competition, getting its reputation as itself. But, I mean, 70s, I don't know, It. I mean, we, we shouldn't get you know, passed away without, you know, mentioning ABBA and Waterloo. We shouldn't get away without Anne-Marie David, or we shouldn't get away with Isar Kohan and the Alphabeta, you know, with Abani B. I mean, so many amazing, iconic songs. All of songs them, basically. All of them, basically, <laughs> yeah. And and I don't know, it's, it, it, here's pretty much just like picking one, and I would go for... I don't know, après toi, avec Leandros, or oh. no, yeah. Anne-Marie David, tout te reconnaîtra. I mean, this is, <laughs> oh my God. You know, I'm going with Anne-Marie David because, I mean, she she, she, she was amazing and she still is. And whenever she performed, I'm like, ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah. I'll go with, with Luxembourg. Sebi? I have the suspicion that we're going to agree on this a lot, but uh, the 70s are probably... Uh, like just when it comes to music alone, not show and not all the other aspects. Just when it comes to music alone, they might be the strongest decade in Eurovision of mm-hmm. all the decades. Uh, I also go for Anne Marie David with Tu te reconnaîtras. Yes. Like that song is <laughs> wow. Like I can't even describe it. Like I think epic is not a strong enough word to describe this song. Like just her. And it blocked Cliff Richard from winning for a second time. Because didn't, didn't Cliff Richard come second or third that time? Yeah, he Which came third time, in 73. Second Eurovision yeah. that he failed to win and thought he was going to win. Yeah, he failed both times. Yeah. He did. Poor old Cliff. Like, I'm, like, I'm not even going to talk about 73. We should maybe dedicate an entire podcast episode to that one. But Ilanit and Deisham, love it. Anyway, uh, Anne-Marie David, like, she does it so casually so happily she's so charismatic and like she 
just hits out those high notes and those like really strong long vocals like it's unbelievable and she's still so like active within the eurovision fandom today like i randomly chatted with her on facebook once and like (laughs) because i was commenting on a different french song it was like the french song from 75 of uh et bonjour à toi l'artiste and I just said that I liked this. And Anne-Marie David herself, because she shared it, she replied to me, oh, how nice that was. And like, she liked the song as well. So yeah, she still like is so connected to Eurovision and that's beautiful. And she can sing so effortlessly too. She makes yeah. those high notes and those, like it, it, it's frightening how well she can sing. And uh, were the song not in French, it might have gotten my first place from the 70s, but of course I'm still scarred from many, many years learning French in Canada. So she lost a point, unfortunately. <laughs> and since I'm a slut for pop, I mean, how could I not pick ABBA? Yeah. It's the only it's the only song that I knew before Eurovision that was a Eurovision song. Because even Celine Dion's winner from 88 is not known to English-speaking Canadians. So it, it was all I had coming into Eurovision and going back and saying, oh my God, Waterloo, I think I've heard that before. <gasps> that one Eurovision. Oh my God. So that's the, that's the epiphany a lot of, I think, North Americans have when they look back and learn about Eurovision. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was the whole package. I enjoy watching the uh, the Melody Festival version in Swedish when they, they run out of that weird cave that they built behind the <laughs> yeah. stage. For them. Um, yeah. And also, like, the conductor coming on stage dressed as Napoleon. That was so unusual in the 70s. Sold us. Yeah. Just sold us. Yeah. So... Olivia Newton-John was also one of the things which which we should really pay some you know shout out here if we are mentioning 1974 with with Long Live Love. Um, even though she wasn't really a keen on that song herself, as she said, you know she she became one of the biggest musical artists worldwide later on as well. So 74 was pretty special year when it comes to some global you know music success here. And let's not forget that we also had Gicciola again coming second Tried with C. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, with C in '74. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. So I mean, it's it's such an iconic era, I would say. And we could, I mean, always easily dedicate, you know, each episode for each, each yeah. era just to, you know, just to just to pay some attention on. So, but yeah, I think Alba has to be mentioned in a case like that, and it's like. Like whenever someone like you meet a Eurovision hater or someone and says that the artists aren't successful, you just throw ABBA at their faces and they're quiet. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Because you can have people who doesn't stand pop at all in in any form. And then you mention ABBA and they're like, yeah, well, okay, you know, it can pass. They're they're epic. They're endless. They're legendary. and, and, And I think for... I would say for anyone who tries to compete in national selection and going to Eurovision, and whenever they ask them about their favorite winners, they, they go obviously for this safe choice of ABBA because what's not to like about ABBA, you know? Yeah. And and even having them around nowadays is, is kind of, you know, like um, a luxury, I would say, because, you know, having this amazing sound of pop and even with this new material still sticking to their original, you know, sound, it's, it's, you know, amazing. All right, well, we'll move on with the 80s. And I'll go first this time before somebody steals mine. Although <laughs> you never know. But we're looking at, of course, uh, What's Another Year? Making Your Mind Up, Ambition Frieden, Si La Vie Est Cadeau. Digilou Digilay, Lord the Swinger, J'aime la vie, Hold Me Now, Ne Partez Pas Sans Moi, and Rock Me, as Yugoslavia ended the decade with a win. And like I said, I am a pop slut, so I have to go with Norway. And yes. Lord, <laughs> From the minute they run on stage in those disgustingly ugly, hilarious, shiny skirts, to the end when they stick their arms up like moms will do, what, 30 years later? I mean, it's it's a classic. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, again, I think 80s were, were delivered so many great Eurovision winners, I would say, as well. And also, I think we are entering to the era when we had this, um, when we had Johnny Logan, who won two times as an artist. He will later on win another time as a composer. 
But and he won't let anybody forget it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, 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 I mean, there's so many great songs. Like uh, as Dave mentioned, "Let It Swing" or um, Sandra Kim's "Jamel Levy," you know, and also, of course, Celine Dion "Ne Partez Pas Sans Moi." I mean, I sometimes it's so hard to choose, you know, between this amount of some great songs. So just because Dave mentioned it, and even though I completely agree with, with him on Let It Swing and the Norwegian Way in 1985, I would go here with uh, Celine Dion in 1988. I, I mean, her iconic, very unusual dress she was wearing <laughs> and, and this powerful wo- voice was, was just, you know... Yeah, who the hell picked that dress? That I have no Barbara idea. Dex, probably. <laughs> yeah, Barbara Dex. It was Barbara Dex before <laughs> she went into Eurovision herself. <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, I would go with Celine Dion, but I could easily go with with Bobby Sox, with Sandra Kim, with with um, Johnny Logan, obviously, as an obvious choice. So, there's so many, but again, Celine Dion. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's so tough to choose one again. Like, uh, Bobby Sox. Yeah. Uh, let's also not forget to mention like each individual, like Hanne Krog and Elisabeth Andreasen. They both like are such huge Eurovision stars by themselves. And then they just like joined, like came together as a duo and won Eurovision. I mean, there's there's nothing better than that. Uh, Exactly. This was actually the hardest decade for me to pick my one favorite song, um, especially when it's coming to winners. Um, I also love Sandra Kim. I really like Si La Vie Cadeau. I think that's not the most popular opinion, but like just the vocal control that Corinne Hermes has is stunning. But I decided to go for a completely different song here, and that is Ein bisschen Frieden by Nicole. Oh, um, yeah. Out of this list, it wouldn't be the song that I listen to the most. Like, you can definitely hear Let It Swing more frequently and just shake your <laughs> <Exactly>. booty. <laughs> but like the meaning it had made me choose this one. It was 1982. Germany still hadn't won the Eurovision Song Contest up until then. And like many people thought that it still was like the track of World War II. Can you imagine like Eurovision started 11 years after World War II? So like a lot of Europe, there was still like an antipathy against Germany. And 82 was a tough year politically. It was hosted in the United Kingdom, of course, and they were at war against Argentina with the Falkland Islands. And then there was like the Lebanon War, uh, also concerning Israel. Uh, And Europe was just scared and they were longing for freedom. And then Germany comes along, the country that everyone was still a little bit skeptical of. And they sent this young girl singing about her wish for peace. And they just believed it. It was the first time since World War II that they actually believed in freedom. And you think the wall was still up then too? Like it's it's eighties. The the Cold War got really cold in the eighties before all of yeah. a sudden eighty nine happened. So Yeah. And then the shocker of all shockers, Israel is the country that gives Germany twelve points. Israel's first ever twelve. Yeah. So it's so iconic. It gets more iconic than that. They both exchanged twelve points, Israel and Germany. That was such a huge symbol. And then like Nicole, of course, won. Everyone gave her like really good points, except for Austria, who gave her one point. And (laughs) Luxembourg gave her zero points. So the neighbor love is strong with the German speakers. (laughs) But obviously, it's it's also, I think, um, forget me if I'm wrong, but that's probably also the first win of Ralf Siegel, who tried so many times before, right? Yeah, right. he got so successful, like with Germany, with Genghis Khan in 79, and then Theater in 80, and then Johnny Blue in 81. He came so close to winning, and then he did it with Nicole. And she gave her, like, reprise in so many different languages, and that's, like, <laughs> such a huge Eurovision moment. Even for the 80s, like, the audience went crazy while she was singing, and that wasn't that common in the 80s. So, yeah, that's why I went for Germany. And fun fact about it, let's say we we also have this Slovenian version of of that song, and it's uh, quite a classic also because like back in the days, especially sixties and maybe beginning of the seventies, there was this trend of you know tre- not not a, 
accusing somebody of plagiarism, but just like translating the songs into your own language, especially yeah, yeah. here. And and let's say Malo Miru is Slovenian title of I'm be, I'm Frieden, you know, and and which means a little piss as the the English version, obviously. And it's still a classic and people can always go and sing along. And whenever you say to somebody, you know, that song actually won Eurovision, they're like, oh, seriously, because they, they're not aware of that. And it, it made this huge impact um, after after she won. So I, I, I like this choice you, you select, Sebi. It's, it's, it's a good one, proper one. And of course, it was also shared like throughout this and last year with everything happening in Ukraine. Uh, so, yeah. It's still current in a way, and it still has yeah. a big meaning after all those years. Exactly. For the 90s, we start off with the bizarre choice of Insieme 1992 for 1990. Uh, Fong Gada Van Stone Vin, Why Me, In Your Eyes, Rock and Roll Kids, Nocturne, The Voice, Love Shine a Light, Dima, and Take Me to Your Heaven. Uh, a lot more English titles in that list than the previous decades, obviously. So that's already an interesting point to make. Um, I'm going to go for an obvious one. Um, the one that Eurovision chose to brand itself with during the pandemic. So I'm going to go with Love Shine Light from Katrina and the Waves. It won by a landslide. It's just... It's when I think of the 90s now, this to me sounds like the most 90s. Because again, I wasn't following this back then, even though I was alive, unlike some people uh, on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and she, she delivered it so well, so confidently. She's such a professional. Um, she totally deserved the win. And it's a moment in Eurovision history that I, I don't think will be easily forgotten. Yeah. It's another classic, like one of the few songs that like everyone knows and like everyone still that is still relevant. It was used in 2020 yeah. as like, as you said, as the pandemic song by all the artists, except but, who were funny. But then I go down to the list and, and like Carola wins. It's her second uh, appearance, right? Linda Martin, her second appearance. And she's won in 92. Uh, the slew of Irish victories. Um, the first transgender to win the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte or Harlots, I can't pronounce it. Uh, Nilsson, which becomes Parelli shows up for the first time like it's it's all iconic but uh to me it's not it's not a decade that i look back on and listen to the songs very often but if i were going to and that's how i decided on katrina and the ways if i had to listen to one of them it would be that one um you know when when we started this decade with italy and with toto cotugno i have this this one interesting thing i we usually in slovenia we like to say that we have this tiny little bit of winning the Eurovision because backing singers of Toto Cotunia were actually Slovenians. So this is why we, <laughs> we we take this little moment as our little Slovenian victory uh, Pepeu in Kri backed, backed um, Toto Cotunia. They represented Yugoslavia in 1975. Iconic yeah. Slovenian music group which is still um, very famous nowadays even though they're not active anymore. And speak, before you go on, speaking of victories with Toto, how good was it that the organizers of Eurovision 2022 kept him away from <laughs> everything that had to happen this year? He wasn't on stage, he wasn't his picture wasn't anywhere, he was nowhere to be seen in Torino. I think that was for people that complain about the organization this year and how bad they think Torino's Eurovision was, I think that was one thing they got spot on. That was the one thing they learned from 1991, yeah. get rid of Toto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the rest, I mean, 90s, let's say, as Dave said, well, there's so many great songs, maybe not as iconic and as in previous decades. Uh, we, we definitely have Carola in 1991. We have, um, you know, Carola. <laughs> so, but no, I, I, I really need to, to go with this one. It was, for me, it's a tough one between two years. Uh, they were ending this decade. And here I'm obviously talking about um, Israel and Swedish, uh, Israeli and Swedish entry, uh, which won Eurovision. So it's, it's a battle between Dana International and Charlotte at the time, Nielsen. But I, I really need to go with with Dana International because I think her her um, appearance and her impact uh, did a lot of 
you know, for for LGBTQ plus community. And uh, I mean, it's still this amazing, you know, Eurovision hit. Wherever you go, it always hits you so hard. And it, this doesn't happen with every, you know, Eurovision winner. Like for some of them, you're just like, oh, this one actually won the contest. But like, yeah, you forget it the, the, the seconds after. So yes, I would go just because I have to choose one. It's 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 definitely Dana International yeah. and Diva. For me, the best part of that was how how relevant the song title became when after she won, she took what five ten minutes to get to the stage because she wanted to change outfits and kept the presenters waiting awkwardly, like after the big reveal that you've won and that you're on stage waiting, waiting, waiting with the trophy. What a diva. The second she found out she won, she did she didn't like she wasn't happy about that. She was like, Yes, I'm gonna have to change. You can see her talking to like the other people in the green room, like, yes, let's move. And then she changed into uh Jean Paul Gaultier's feathers, which were iconic. And she brought back to Melfest then after too. Yeah. And I just love her and like her entire biography is so inspiring. Like she paved the way for so many like people to come after her. And just for Eurovision fans as well. Like it's not a secret that a lot of them are LGBTQ+, and that's just like such an inspiring victory in that case. It is. We. I really need to mention this another iconic moment in this decade, which was the following year when she was bringing the trophy all <laughs> yeah. the way to <laughs> Harlot. It was... It, <laughs> I mean, this is probably one of my favorite moments of Eurovision 1999 because, like, I mean, when she she she, she really knew how to, you know, the the minute she wasn't the actual Eurovision winner anymore, she she grabbed some attention to yeah. her because I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I never I, I never really had Eurovision trophy in my hands, but I'm pretty sure it's not that heavy as she presented it to be. But uh, it was also iconic moment just to, you know, and she's fun. She's hilarious. And several years ago, she, I think she appeared at probably Eurovision Greatest Hits. And there was Linda Woodruff asking her on the red carpet saying like, oh, how can you stay so fit? Blah, blah, blah. She was like, don't eat. <laughs> don't eat all day if it's possible <laughs> whole week, <laughs> you know, but like whoever was, would say that. And we're not going to mention that Ding Dong ever happened in Düsseldorf. Let's just ignore yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's that's the issue of, you know, Eurovision winners coming back and trying to, you know, getting the same attention they received so so long ago. But like, even though it was, you know, it wasn't the very best attempt she could have. I think it's still as iconic as it, as it should yeah. be or could be. So speaking of iconic people, uh, my favorite of the 90s, you guys know me, it had to be Carola <laughs> with Fong out of and Stormwind. Uh, Fair enough. Again, like the 90s are a decade that I I like them musically, but like among the winners, it was mostly like Ireland. Uh, which Ireland. They had okay <laughs> winners, yeah, but like it just became so repetitive after a while. And that's why I went for Sweden. And I didn't even have a big reason for that. It just makes me feel so good. Like listening to Fong out of and Stormwind is like a therapy session basically it's a pickup pick you up yeah. yeah go walk out Surely. on the streets like let the winds catch you and sing fong it up in storm wind that's all you need to feel better yeah yeah so now we've reached the 21st century i believe well almost we have one more year of the 20th century but then the rest will be 21st yeah. century so we're pretty close and uh, we can leave this one in the 20th century for sure. Fly on the wings of love. We can just forget that ever happened. And then we move on with everybody. I want to. Every way that I can. Wild Dances. My number one. Hard Rock Hallelujah. Molitva. Believe. And Fairy Tale. And again, just one winner that whole decade. So who wants to go first? The 2000s aren't really my favorite decade. Like that's yeah, the decade when Eurovision kind of became cheap. Especially in the early 2000s. <laughs> oh, but we love cheap, Sebi. We love cheap. I think we're only having... Occasionally. But like, I think 2001, 2008, like some of them overdid it with the cheapness. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and that's why my favorite winner of that decade is Molitva. Because it was like so unlike most of the... Like not to say that the other 
the songs were cheap from the 2000s. There oh, were some of them were, yeah. Like, like uh, it's just such a fresh of... I was going to say fresh of breath air. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like after 2000, 2001, 2002, uh, I think Molitva was the first song that really brought us like a classic good voice with a good song that needed didn't need a huge spectacular show around it and that just won for what it was well written the arrangement was good yeah uh also another winner who speaks up about lgbt rights uh and i think correct me if I'm wrong but especially back then it was even tougher in serbia I think it still is because it's still a little bit conservative, you know, from mm-hmm. this kind of way. But uh, it's still very remarkable, and and everybody knows her. And also, like if you're not an ordinary Eurovision fan, you go for Molitva. So yeah, so that's why it's my favorite. Like Molitva, it's just flawless. It's uh, touching, emotional. I can't find a single flaw with it. Dobro. I would say if we go to 2000s, um, I I would go for 2001. With it's one of my fa- no, I'm just joking. Uh, the thing is, <laughs> I think you guys nearly had a heart attack, as I can see. But no, no. Um, well, you mentioned Molly Twine. It's probably you know one of the best songs. Eurovision has ever produced because it has such a great meaning and it just passed you know 15 years since since she won the whole thing and I I think it's it's just super iconic I uh, and just as Dave said before for me it was so hard to choose from here and I I just because you mentioned Molitva first I won't mention that again even though i completely agree and i will go with helena paparizzo and with greece and with my number one because it's still you know she's your number one (laughs) i'm a kid of pop she's my number one uh i will never ever forget that um i think just right before the pandemic i i went to sweden to see my friend Helena, obviously, <laughs> and and we were just driving to one of the to to one of the bars in Stockholm, the Secret Garden, and we were sitting in a taxi, and we were talking about this Eurovision winners. And at some point, I, I asked her, like, "Who's your you know favorite Eurovision song of all time?" She said, "Yeah, definitely, Helena Paparizzo, my number one." No. No, we weren't talking about the song, but like favorite artists in general. And she said, Helena Paparizzo. And you should see the face of, of the taxi driver going like, you know, like in a way of what the fuck have you been drinking? You know? <laughs> but <laughs> but um, so I, I need to go here with, with Helena as well. So it's it's my number one and Helena Paparizzo. Even though at that year, she I think she submitted a few songs and i think as much as i'm aware that was her last choice to sub- to submit there's another one which is even more eurovisionable for the time the light of my soul i think it is it's also an, an amazing track which i still listen to nowadays but yes grace all the way well slut pop picks uh, my number one again <laughs> <laughs> How how could I pick anything else? That should be new genre. That should be new genre, like slut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, close second, I think, would be Turkey. Every way that I can. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. That's that's pretty catchy. Um, but no, it, had, it, had, it has to go to Helena. But can we just like give a minute to talk about Lordi as well? They would have been my second choice after Molitva. Yes. Really, I can't stand that one. Really. Yeah, I can't watch it. I can't listen to it. I just it looks and sounds gross. I can't. I can't do it. I mean, it was supposed to at least look gross. They're monsters. Like, obviously, it they look kind of not so attractive. Yeah, but, but the, like, the uh, pop doesn't cross over to monster rock, monster pop rock. So I don't. I don't know. Just, I I never liked it. I think they were like super iconic, and I think the whole thing is. Eurovision is diversity. Eurovision is connecting people, connecting genres, connecting languages, connecting cultures. So this is why I I I still see them as an amazing, amazing um, song as a part of Eurovision history. It was just an important victory. Like it, no matter if you like it or not, like it was such a different choice. And like also for 
like so many conservative people it was like a huge scandal that they won yeah. it was a slap in the face like eurovision doesn't isn't just pop it's not just ballads like it can be all kinds of music that can win eurovision and with that very poetic message we move on to the 2010s 2010s a bit more diversity in the 2010s i would think yeah so we've got satellite back to pop uh, Running Scared, Euphoria, Only Teardrops, Rise Like a Phoenix, Heroes, 1944, Amar Peos Deutsch, Toy, and Arcade. Oh, Jan wants to go first. Okay, um, so I think 2010s were really tough period, and I think we're all happy that we're moving on to 2020s <laughs> nowadays. Um, Hope for the future. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, I mean... Even though there's, you know, a few songs and maybe people won't go really for that very choice very often because we have, you know, commercially so many other ones. I really need to go with 2014 and with Austria because for, because of so many reasons, like because of because ORF knew exactly what they were doing. I mean, Conchita delivered something, something that we never experienced before. And also because 2014 was my first year I've ever at the Eurovision live for a first time. And this is what it makes it so special for me. And this whole euphoria about it and this whole, um, you know, presentation of that. Um, and I would definitely go because it has this different meaning. She was, again, standing for, she was the voice for the ones who couldn't use their own voices, you know, and and this is why I I love her, and I, and of course I think here we have to mention that moment where um, me and Sebi met Conchita at Vienna Pride last year, just randomly. That was <laughs> one of the highlights, I think, of of that event at the time. She was as lovely as we could like you know imagine, even though behind that fierce on the screen there was this Conchita who was just like you know. Walking, walking there around. casually, yeah, yeah, among all the other people, yeah. So, Dave, what about you? So, I picked Moms, I picked Sweden 2015 because that was the first show I watched live on TV. I wasn't as fortunate as you guys to be closer to the action. Actually, Jan, uh, not Jan, Sebi, you were in the arena for that one, right? You were in Vienna. I was, yeah, yeah, I was. As a little baby, my first time yeah. live in Eurovision, yeah. <laughs> And of course, that is, <laughs> that is the motto <laughs> of this podcast as well. Yes. So yeah, I found Eurovision a few days after the 2014 contest. So I watched um, Conchita win on YouTube a few hours, well, a few days after. So yeah, we got together, we had a party for the first time, me and a few friends. We sat down and watched it in all of its glory and watched the voting. And yeah, so we were happy when Mons won. We were really happy when he passed uh, Russia in the voting towards the end. That was, a, that was a nice moment as well in Eurovision history to prevent uh, Paulina from winning. And yeah, I mean, they've recycled poor old Mons to death. I think he's been in every second Eurovision ever since, and people are kind of getting sick of him. But uh, back then at the time, I think it was... Um, deserved victory as as funny as it seems now the the staging was so revolutionary at the time um but yeah i, th I think it was pretty good Sebi? yeah and that's true like these days like everyone just complains when anything is mentioned about mons like on any like fan website when they post articles about mons they always rant about oh not him again jesse has nothing else to do that's like nowadays but back then he was really popular but see, this was the first one I could pick that I could go back and like remember it as it happened. So that's for for me. That's what I think. That's my excuse why I can get away from picking him. Whereas everyone else, like you said, would complain. Oh my god, not this asshole again. Yeah, that's like just that is such a unique atmosphere. Like witnessing, like knowing what Eurovision is, and then witnessing the voting live for the first time. Because like the first time I watched it, I had no idea what was happening. But then the second time, I was completely into it. But yeah, uh, my favorite winner is also Conchita, of course. Um, I think Jan has said most of it already, but just like <clears throat> for me personally, like I was Austrian. I was. I still am, I hope. You so. were? You're not anymore? <laughs> I didn't lose citizenship yet. <laughs> 
no, I'm Austrian and like I've known Conchita for a while since then. She like appeared in like several casting shows, first as Tom, then as Conchita. And in 2012, she entered the national final and she made it to the top two. And then she lost against the track shitters, which <laughs> we know. Oh, but that's what I am. That was an amazing track. It still is an amazing song. And we know that the track shitters went on to finish last in the semifinal. So, and that just sums up Austria so well. And like growing up in Austria, like it's definitely not as bad as other countries, but like it was still a very conservative country. And then Conchita was selected internally and like people were going mad like everyone was so angry like why would we let this creature represent us like people were so full of hate so angry yeah i didn't get it at all like i was just i was just happy you know i was thinking she's gonna represent us so well like she can sing she's like something completely new she's gonna do so well but i was the only one thinking that and like people were ridiculing me for even thinking that, like, oh, she's gonna lose, like we're gonna, she's gonna make us look ridiculous. Yeah, those voices all went silent after I think it was May eighth, two thousand fourteen. The arena was shaking. If you were in the arena, it was shake. I-, I thought that the roof is going to, you know, fall <laughs> down because it was such an wow moment. And I think it was one of the most watched uh, moments in ORF, in our national broadcaster, just like when the voting started, like people couldn't believe it. We hadn't won since 1966. And Conchita's victory just changed so much for the entire world, I believe, but especially for Austria. Like Austria really isn't the same country anymore because of Conchita's victory. She did so much in one night. She did so much for like all the minorities in Austria. And, and, and outside of us and outside probably. of course yeah yeah didn't she go to the not the oscars or the, the golden globes or something a few months after like how often do you see uh, a bearded lady walking the red carpet in, in hollywood in a, in a long gown doesn't happen every day she was everywhere she like went everywhere like it was crazy i've seen credit cards in austria with her face on them yeah, that, right. That was a thing. She did like commercials for the bank, like even in my like <laughs> tiny dump town, like there were like bank commercial, like on the bank, <laughs> on the window of the bank, there was Conchita's face. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> oh my God. It just shows me again and again how much changed in the world since 2014. And also, I think that was such an iconic moment for the whole worldwide, you know, attention for Eurovision itself. I mean, she was everywhere. She was on 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 the on the covers on so many magazines the following day. You know, bearded lady winning song contest in Europe, la la la. You know, and it was one of those milestones, you know, which which you know grabbed worldwide attention to to this to this country, which brought the whole Europe together. Even just like the televoting results of 2014. I mean, in some countries, the juries try to put Conchita lower. But like, I don't think there was any country that gave like no or like really low score televoting scores to Austria, as far as I know. Like countries where you would have never believed it gave like 10 or 12 televoting points to Austria. Mm. It it was was such an amazing package of everything. It was was brilliant. And this is the year that brought us all together here in the end. Yes. Like it yes. introduced Dave to Eurovision. It made me watch my first live Eurovision a year later. It was your first live Eurovision. Yes. And now here we are in the presence, basically. We're in the 2020s. And we don't have a big selection. No, do you want me to pull up the list? I don't know if I can remember them all off the yes, top of my head. Yes, me neither. Please read it to no, us. <laughs> I think we have one called ZTA Buoni, and I think another one might be called Stefania, but I could be forgetting some. Yeah. I think we all have the same one here. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. If if I may start with this one, it's, <laughs> I, I know that once the um, once the final evening was that, and once Italy took the stage with, with, with ZTA Buoni, I was like, 
wow. I mean, at some point I was like, just cancel the show, announce <laughs> the, you know, winner, and that's it. Save some money for the next year. It's it's okay. Just just cancel it, bring them the trophy, and that's it. And it's amazing to see what a global sensation they become. You know, like they, let's say Rossellini is going slowly into like following their steps from the previous edition from 2022 but like they really are everywhere and and they're just i think also about to launch a brand new album as well so i'm i'm super happy for their success and and it's yes so far my favorite song from the 2020s dave can i just ask like are they even famous in canada their english songs are um but again i don't know like they come on the radio but i don't know if you said to your average person on the street who are monoskin if they would know if you played them begging a clip of that they, they would say oh yeah i've heard that i think the, the the u.s market kind of forget about their italian material they whenever they after your vision <laughs> when they went there Yes. Well, foreign languages are scary here. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they promoted their new songs there. I think from I think it was still from this previous album, Teatro Dira, uh, Volume Due. But um, the thing is that I remembered. I think they were promoting Mamma Mia, and they obviously haven't been promoting Cynthia Boni, but they were choosing English songs instead. So this is maybe one of the things which which are bothering me when it comes to you know getting bigger on international market and. Also, let's say in this short period of time, you can also see the change of the sound they're using right now. If you I know was just going to say, it's, it's evident that they've been in LA for a while because their music is starting to yes. sound more American and less monoskin. Yes, yeah. yes. Because, but first of all, we fell in love with monoskin because they were monoskin, you know. And but you know, nonetheless, I think it's amazing, well-deserved victory, putting Italy back on the Eurovision winners map, and I think it's 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 fantastic. So, how cathartic was it last year after almost two years with no Eurovision? First of all, just to watch, like we were just so happy to have a show to watch. Um, and the voting was happening. And then Monoskin got all those televote points and me and my friends started jumping and it, like hugging each other. And of course they had to draw it out with John's tears. Uh, but they won. I screamed, we're going to Italy next year. And I got there for my first contest. So it's, again, I think we said iconic about a thousand times so far in the last uh, few minutes, but uh, it, it, it is. Uh, gave Italy its first victory in 30 years, and again, controversial, but I think Italy really did throw a good Eurovision this year, and I do not regret at all going. I had such a good time. Uh, it was such a great thing, because like at the end of the whole um, show, I just realized that there was, like, in top five, there was only one song in English, and that you know that was such an amazing moment as well because like there were so many countries winning their songs in their own languages changing it to english in the past you know and and this is just one really good moment just to you know sit down as an artist if you believe in your song why would you translate it in, into you know because music is kind of a language which could be understood by also somebody who doesn't speak that language because you feel it and I'm pretty sure that Europe and Australia, they both, you know, felt Tietje Boni. And that was the, the main thing, why why they fell in love with it. Yeah, and if we just look, I mean, we're only in 2023 now, but like the two winners we had so far in this decade, neither of them was in English. They were both in native language. And I think that's really impressive. And that's why I am optimistic for what's to come in this decade. Um I mean, you've said everything about Monoskin. They are iconic. I think they could become at least like on a ABBA and Celine level as well in a few years. Like if you tell tell people about Eurovision, like Monoskin won, they're going to be like, oh, wow. If they don't burn out first, they, they don't stop. I know they're young, but I mean, at some point they've got to just collapse. So I hope they don't uh, just burn out and give up. Yeah. So it's a wrap. We've done all the decades. Uh do we maybe have, like, out of all the songs we just mentioned, do we have one favorite winner from all the competitions? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's evil. That's way too hard. I have, a, I have a winner that didn't win. 
then that doesn't count. We're talking about winners today. <laughs> now go for it. Uh, we and it's somebody we forgot to mention, and it's somebody who, looking back historically, like you mentioned, all these great names and all these iconic songs that have won, and people that don't know Yerlish should know them. I think maybe even more so than Waterloo, there's a song that everybody in Europe anyway knows, not so much over here, because I've heard it for the first time in Europe. And people assume one Eurovision, and it's Domenico Modugno, Nel Blue Dipinto di Blue. Looking back now, how the hell did that not win? What a robbery. Who, who the hell can sing Dora Mon Amour? Just another success or another example of a song of a good song which which can you know deliver and it's been covered by so many artists over the years you know and still like you can still hear it on the radio stations um and i think it's 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 super iconic it's such a great choice dave i think all right i'm done i don't want to pick any of the ones i just picked oh if i would have to go for my favorite one I don't have it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, it would be so unfair to choose and to compare something which was produced in, I don't know, 90s comparing to 70s or something. But let's say, okay, if I have to pick one, I would say Anne-Marie de Vite and Tout Reconnaitra because it's it's, it's a classic, it's, it's an amazing song and I would go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that is a very close one for me as well. Um I would still go for Giola Cinquetti. Like it was just Nona Letta. Beautiful. It was it's simple, but it's like so beautiful. It's on a different level. So I would say before we end this episode, are we up for another guess the entry round? Well we have to. You both Yay. got points last time. I mean I need to try and get some points. Okay, so I picked an entry this time, and I am just going to start with the clues, I guess. So the first hint is the performer of this song participated in the national final five times. So on their fifth time, they won the national final. I didn't say that. I would say Sana Nielsen, but I think she were she was up to six, wasn't she? Okay. It's not Sana Nielsen. (laughs) That's another hint. (laughs) So. Narrowed it down so much. Yeah. (laughs) So, hint number two is this performer also performed in Eurovision as a solo performer in three different decades. Oh, wow. So maybe that clears up something about being in the national final five times. If they were in Eurovision three times, <laughs> so she won Eurovision. Uh, she won the national final three times out of this five. Yes. <laughs> uh, smart. Very smart. I think yeah, you I you no will idea. have to give us another clue, Sebi. I mean, we're only allowed three clues, but like I I don't know which one is better for you. I have two different ones in my mind. But just keep in mind what we talked about already today. So my third hint is it tied with another song when it won Eurovision. Well, that narrows it down. I feel like Salome might have tried a bunch. I think Spain used to have national finals. No, no. no. Come on, guys. Well, I gave you a hint inside of the It's hint. Salome, it's Lulu, it's Lenny Core, it's Frida. I'll go Lulu. The UK had national finals back in the day. You guys are going to give me a headache. <laughs> Another hint. It wasn't 69. Oh, Corolla. Oh, my God. You guys call yourselves Eurovision fans like that. Was so... I think I think everyone who listened already got it. and oh was screaming God. it already. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was Carola, but you didn't say which entry. It's guess the entry. I think we're all tied now again with one point. (laughs) No, you both got two last week. Now I have one. All right. Okay. So Dave is still third. (laughs) (laughs) You're still in the podium, at least. (laughs) Third of three. Yes, it would still be the podium. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so proud. Oh, my goodness. It looks like we still know nothing about it, which is... 
yeah. the charm of it all. So I think that was it for this time. Thank you all for listening to us. Uh, we will be back soon with a new episode. Keep checking on us on our social media and get in touch. If you want us to talk about some specific topics, let us know and we will chat for you. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao.